Hey, we're going to jump right into this one tonight. It's uh, 9.05. We figured we weren't going to drag you on for another, what do I want to say? Five Five or ten minutes. minutes. We like to be fashionate. Well, it it happens. It kind of happens that way. Uh, Obviously, we have Derek back. Hey, how's everybody doing? Yeah, what, what's it? It's All been right. a few weeks since we've seen the old uh, D man, right? Uh, yeah, probably about I don't know three or four weeks. Had a lot going on in life. Had to step back and get some things taken care of, and now we can get back to the uh, the fun things in life, right? The fun things in life would that be uh, yeah. podcasting, oh, working okay. on cars, all those good things. Uh, so I, I mean, if if Anybody really, we mentioned it on the show before that my wife and I were foster parents or, well, I will say we're foster parents uh, because on Monday morning, we uh, officially finalized the adoption of the two children that we were fostering. And so we are now officially adoptive parents of two amazing little children. So uh, that, that kind of, you know, had to... uh, get that prioritized in my life and, and took a little time to get that sorted. So, well, we would have uh, done that with a drum roll. But just so that we, uh, the applause. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I apologize to everybody. I got a new intro that wasn't quite uploading and uh, some of the new stuff, but this is a slow transition into the relaunch of no driving gloves. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we touched on last week, uh, Will will be stepping back. He still will join us. He will still be getting notifications of the topics, and he will jump in on topics. But I Baby, think you're going to see a lot of Derek and me, or Derek and I. I don't know. That, yeah, I've learned you don't need to be able to speak English to have a podcast. Yeah, especially in the United States. Uh, English really doesn't matter anymore. I'm not sure what they call American language anymore, but it certainly is not. English as we knew it as kids, I think. So, Uh, I mean, come on. What magazine was it not 10 years ago? It was a car magazine. I think it was for like imports that they attempted to write the whole magazine with no punctuation and no, uh, it it just was like one giant run on sentence. You remember that? Do not remember that. Oh, it was terrible. I think it lasted for like a couple months and it just, it made no sense. But, you know, now go out and look at social media posts and things like that. And basically they're just one giant run on sentence with no punctuation and you can't understand them because half the words are misspelled. So Uh, I was trying to see if that popped up here. Uh, Nope. I don't see it popping up there either. I'm, I'm glad I don't remember that one. It even drives me crazy when I'm doing text messages. Now, driving along, I got a text, and since I drive this fancy BMW product that was built in 2020, it doesn't have Apple CarPlay. I heard a statistic today that only 2% of cars sold in America today uh, do not have Apple CarPlay available. Um, I also heard in the same statistic that 70% of car buyers will not consider a car that does not have Apple CarPlay. Ooh, I am glad to be in the 30% that don't care because I use Droid because, in my opinion, it's better. Oh, well, it um, and that's what I was going to say. This isn't a 70% iPhone-centric society, so I don't understand why they have to have Apple CarPlay. Um, but where I was going is, even when I'm texting, is I will, you know, say, you know... Uh, 
text so-and-so, and then I'll go to do my text. Hey, are you going to be on the show tonight? Period. I have a really interesting topic. Period. But because I hate it when it reads it back to me and it's, you know, are you going to be on the show tonight? I have a really interesting topic. Uh, it, 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 I have to have the punctuation when it reads it back to me. It, it drives me nuts. So I don't know. Uh, does you've now you're now driving a fine used car also. Do you have any sort of voice texting or anything in that? Or do you just it's, it's a 2019 Malibu, John? Yes, I I have all of the features. Ooh, do you have CarPlay in it? It does, but I don't use it. Well, that's because you don't have a... Uh, Android um, Auto, baby. Android I was say, Auto. Do you use Android Auto or do you use yeah. Amazon Car? Android Auto. I could just tell it to do things and it does it. I know it's the same thing Apple, whatever it does and all those other things, but whatever. It works with my phone. It makes me happy. I'm good. Uh, that's uh, you know all that matters, and I mean worldwide, you know, as podcaster, or at least as me as a podcaster, I stay up to date on some of those statistics out there. And you know, worldwide, you know, iPhone actually is just dwarfed by Android. You know, in Europe, 70, 75 percent of the uh, mobile phones are Android. So it's really something that has to be taken in consideration. And I guess See, Europeans know what's up. Yeah. Well, we can thank the Europeans for sticking it to Apple. Uh, people always talk to me about this because, you know, in my, quote, day job, I do a lot of computer stuff. And especially when I was selling computers for Dell, people kept complaining about why are we going to USB-C, uh, USB-Cs? You know, what's this new USB port? It doesn't make sense. That's because you can, you know, can power your computer through a uh, USB-C most USB-C ports, when they're especially a Thunderbolt port, which is also what they're known as. But all cell phones are going to USB-C. It's they're te- they've told Apple basically we're sick and tired of every six months you change the charging connectors and everybody's got to go out and buy all new chargers. Uh, so even the you know the the iPads, iPad Pros, and that have been USB-C for a while iPads are going to slowly go to USB-C. The phones are going to slowly go to USB-C. Whether it's 14 or 15, there's a lot of conversation about that. But we're not here to talk about phones, are we? We're here to talk about no. automobiles. Actually, I mean, you you mentioned the Thunderbolt, and I thought we were going to talk about uh, you know vintage concept cars because the Chrysler Thunderbolt was beautiful. I'm trying to remember. Is that the one that's been recently shown in uh, green and copper? Yes, but there's also there were a couple of them, and this really sucks. But the red one, yeah, we we really need to teach you one. how to do screen sharing. But Derek is yeah, for, for the audio be. listeners, because we have to remember this is an audio centric podcast, and uh, we're going to focus on being audio centric. You video people just get to watch us record it. Uh, and so far, I've stuck to my word. Well, gee, sorry. Show, Show released on Friday last week. This show should come out this Friday, the 17th, which, by the way, is Amazon Prime Day. We have some wonderful uh, suggestions at nodrivinggloves.com forward slash stuff. You can go there and you know check out some of the offers. Um, if you're a Prime member, supposedly it's supposed to be um, you know interesting things to do. I know some people bitch about Prime numbers and the dates of the thing, but I think 17 is a Prime number, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it can only be divided by itself and by one, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So there's some things going on, you know, I'm, I'm not, I've I've been so busy. I haven't been able to keep up with it, but again, no driving gloves.com forward slash stuff. 
we've got a couple of things there. We still have the leather honey that we've been promoting the last couple of weeks. It's no longer on sale and I haven't taken down that. But if you would, if you're interested in uh, picking up some of this leather honey, leather conditioner that's been around since 1968, which is just barely longer than I've been around. Hell of a long time, at least according to yeah, you have. The, the old girlfriend called me an old man, distinguished with my gray beard and my gray locks. I believe they call that a silver fox, Jim. No, that's uh, that's a that's a Ford Mustang. Oh, oh, I thought that was a fox body. Yeah, I've got. Or I thought you were talking about my body. Okay, right. So on to cars. <laughs> <clears throat> Why are we taking away from the features of this show? I'm sporting my Brian Fuller T-shirt. Yeah, previous show guest, guest. From, uh, yeah. over the summer of COVID 2020. So I think the topic I threw out is what drives you. And that's kind of obviously a play on words. We can get into what what motivates us. Why are we doing the the car topic? Let's uh um yeah, I think somebody's commenting. I'm pretty sure your new girlfriend that said you are extremely old. Yes, somebody's surprised I can read it from this distance. I probably better glasses. Yeah, you need trifogals. Uh, well, these are whatever they're called. I want to say progressive or is a mm. transition. I don't know. They've got like 18,000 prescriptions through them and they almost work. Um, very stylish. I think you have a very similar frames. Mm, but mine are better. You, you hide yours behind your or under your hat. Well, it's really the glare off the computer. There, so it's a problem with glasses. Glare. Yes. And yes, these have an anti-glare coating. So, oh, we'll throw out there too. I guess uh, I've got this brand new bag of stickers. Uh, like I said, Ooh. if you email us, no driving gloves at gmail dot com, um, and just ask for a sticker, we'll send you out a sticker. Uh, so you can help promote the show if you want two or three. Ask for two or three. We'd love to get them out to you. Um, stick them on your desk. Stick them on your friends' cars. Annoying thing. We had our episode. What really annoys you? I had it today. I was leaving a job site, got out of my car, and started to really cuss out this little old lady in front of me who stopped in the middle of the that aisleway, you know, parking lot. And she slowly opens her door and crawls around her car, her inches, only to pull one of those damn brochures out from her windshield wiper. I go, freak. And then I look, and I had one tucked away, just barely could be seen on my windshield. Don't freaking touch my car. <laughs> you might want, you might be spreading the good word. Um, I don't know. It just said you are loved and it was this little pamphlet and I didn't go any farther. And I thought about calling them or subscribing them to a bunch of porn sites. Mm -hmm. I just kind of, you know, bit my lip on that one. And then later in the day, I was at a different job site. And I was sitting in my car doing my paperwork and the freaking car moved because some dumb little eight year old girl swung open her mom's car door. And you hit my car so hard, it actually shook. And, of course, I popped out quickly. And what the hell are you going to do? I mean, I guarantee you a car payment on my car, which isn't that high, um, would buy their car. You know, the amount of body damage and dents and dings. If I was dorting their car, it might actually help it because it might actually pop something out back into the right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what are you supposed to do? Obviously, they guessing. 
probably didn't have insurance or anything. Fortunately, when she opened her door, it swung and the door hit because I have a mini and I pull forward into my spots as about as far as I can. It swung and hit the rear plastic bumper. So it really didn't mar the car. But, um, I almost said a couple of words to an eight-year-old girl. Mm, probably shouldn't be said to an eight-year-old girl today because the mom just rolled her eyes and continued to get in the car. She knew what happened, but... Oh, so what What drives you, Derek? Or And I want you to... Uh, or do you want me to say what drives me? Oh, I don't know. Um, it's very... It's a, it's a very existential question. I mean, I, I did it for... What's your motivation behind your daily, Trevor? What's the motivation for your career choices? What's the motivation for being here almost every Wednesday night and chatting about cars? What's... You know, I have nothing better in life to do, John. You're a dad. You have tons better to do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, what drives me? That's that's a great, great question. Because uh, I really don't know the answer to it. See, I guess, always... uh, go ahead. You start and it'll it'll launch me into something. Yeah, well, it's probably very similar for you than it, as it is for me, because we both have a you know, I have a museum history. You're obviously still in the museum world. Uh, there's a passion for learning. Um, I desire to learn about cars and know things. I enjoy trivia, worthless trivia. Uh, and any little thing that I can take in about a car. I mean, I'll I talk about everything from, you know, pre-war, pre-1800 stuff to, you know, as current as some of, you know, the electric stuff. And the, I was commenting on the hydrogen stuff this week with uh, Glickenhaus um, taking, um, what was it, third and fourth at the 24-hour Le Mans as mm -hmm. a uh, private entry. Five cars in their class, yes, but they took third and fourth overall, um, beat out by Toyota, which, you know, Toyota only throws a quarter billion dollars at, you know, half a billion dollars at their racing program. And, you know, Glickenhaus probably only throws a hundred million at his. The guy's got a couple of bucks, but, you know, and he's promoting hydrogen. And, you know, that's, I think, even more cutting edge than the electronic or electric stuff. I have this desire and passion to learn and feed my thirst for knowledge. That's what drives me. But this thirst for knowledge and why I did the museum stuff and why I, you know, the sales stuff that I do with computers now and doing this podcast and doing some of the other podcasts I do is to spread the knowledge and help educate people. Even when I'm selling cigars, I, I'm always educating people on whether how to light, how to cut uh, with cars. You know, I can talk about anything. Um, and so part, part of it is what drives me is my thirst for knowledge. And my thirst is there because I want to share the knowledge with other people and help educate them on something that I find so enjoyable and has brought me so much pleasure. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think you're right, John. I mean, we've known each other for quite some time through the museum field. That's how we met as most listeners know. And I think it is a big part of that. There's, there's a certain passion inside of me that is always desiring to learn something new, to educate myself, but also, you know, educate others. Hence the reason you work in a nonprofit educational institution. That's 
every day we are open to the public, our end goal is to educate our guests, our visitors, uh, and hopefully let them learn something that they did not know. Because, I mean, it's kind of what we as humans, hopefully, and in my opinion, should be doing every day is, is learning something new and growing in ourselves. And, you know, (laughs) I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast or not, and we've been doing this for so many years. And, but, you know, when I was much younger, uh, graduating in high school and then graduating and and getting ready to go off to college, I was actually a a chemistry major. And my full intention was to, uh, I'd been accepted to Virginia Tech in the chemistry program, and I had planned on going there for chemistry and then had already contacted agents at the FBI and had planned on attempting to get into the FBI and become an agent. And at some point near the end of my senior year, I woke up and thought, I don't really know that I want to do that for the rest of my life. What made me think that? But I did. And so I uh, declined going to, or, you know, declined admission to Virginia Tech and wound up at uh, Central Michigan University in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And while I was there, I was trying to figure things out. You know, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Blah, 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 blah. And found a that they had a museum studies program. And I found that interesting because I'd grown up with my dad, of course, working with and, and maintaining many of the cars in the what was known as the Mitchell Collection in Owasso, Michigan. Now, it was a private collection, but they had a on-staff curator who was actually trained historian. And when I couldn't help dad on cars, I sat in his office reading stuff or he would talk to me about the cars in the collection. So I thought, well, I always enjoyed that, right? So why not why not go to this see what this museum studies is all about and wound up in the museum studies program and then when i moved to uh, eastern michigan university down near detroit ypsilanti michigan uh, i i found i i hated history in high school but at the advice of my museum studies uh, professors they said you know you should probably think about history and so when i got to eastern michigan university that's when i kind of got into the history and history of technology uh, programs that they offer. And I had a one professor who completely changed my mind because to me, history was boring. It didn't, that I had no passion for it. And it just memorizing a bunch of names and dates and, and all this information just didn't work for me as a person. But I took this class and professor Mark Higby, if anybody that listens going to go to Eastern Michigan University. If Professor Higby's still teaching, take one of his courses. He was, you know, introduced to doing the first day of class and talking and answering questions. And, you know, some, one of the kids in the class asked if exams were going to be open book. And he looked up and he said, you know what, for you, they can be open book because you're still not going to pass one of my exams, even if you have an open book in front of you. And he said, because history is not about memorizing names and dates. That's why historians write history books. So the rest of us that are historians can always reference those. History books are nothing but reference books. They tell us the names, the dates, the things that happened. That's why they're written, just like any encyclopedia or anything like that. He said, a true historian is able to understand what has happened in the past, 
you don't necessarily need to know what date it happened on or specific people that were involved, but you have to understand that that action or that moment in time, whatever that was, has impacted the world we live in today. And to understand how it impacted the way we live today and what we do today, that is history. Connecting the past to the present and the future is what being a good historian is about. And that's what changed it for me. That completely lit a fire inside of me because all through high school, everything like that, I was always struggling in history because I didn't care about, oh, in 1774, blah, 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 blah happened. I cared more to, I cared more about, well, you know, Henry Ford created the, brought the Model T out and made it affordable to the masses. Well, what has that done for us as a society and a culture today around the world? Because we now have millions upon millions of automobiles running around this globe, changing the entire shape of the world we know. And so that's, that's like say, John, that's what drives me. Is that always trying to connect things from the past to the future. Well, just to let you know, uh, obviously I've been doing some background research while you were discussing. Uh, Professor Higby is still at Eastern Michigan. Fantastic. Um, he started in 94, so he must have been almost new when you were there. Mm, um, nice try, John. I'm not as old as he Yeah, but he wasn't there more than three or four years. Mm, about eight or nine. No. I started my college career in 2001, John. Hmm. Okay. Well, then he had been there a few years. So in 2005, then you might have been a, been there when uh, Higby has been using a na- since 2005. He's been using a nationally recognized innovative teaching method, reacting to the past. He talked about talks about that um, the reacting to the past game. He created in 2009. He created a reacting past the past game in reference to Frederick Douglass, um, and it goes on and on. Um, it took a decade, but in 2019, it was finally published. He's got a ton of uh, works and pub- publications and presentations listed here. So just do a, if anybody wants to find out a little bit about this guy, he seems to be a little bit interesting. He's um, extremely interesting. And he if you're interested in history, I, I, there are a lot of great history professors out there, I am sure. But I will say that, say that Professor Higby is someone who impacted my life and my career as a historian in the field I'm in. So three 100 level classes, three 300 level classes, one 400 level class and one 500 level class. I guess we'll we'll give him a little bit of credit there. Maybe maybe you're not talking him up too much. Well, and I doubt he, he listens. So <laughs> well, maybe he does. I, 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 wait a second. I uh, I have a um, email for him. <laughs> Yeah, right. We can send him a copy of the, <laughs> a copy of the show. But I had a similar well, thing. It was in high school, though, and I don't know where I fell in love with history. And I think it's something that I always said I hated, and I think it's also like math. I always hated math. I never did well. Now I en- I enjoy math that makes sense, trigonometry, calculus, and that. No, but addition, subtraction, you know, the the that that kind of stuff, even algebra. I actually use it every day, just like they told me I would. But uh, Joseph DeFabio, a high, freshman in high school, was my advanced history teacher. Uh, Italian, worked 
part-time in a, uh, for a mortician embalming people. And, you know, he would talk about stuff like that. I uh, drove a little Mercedes convertible. Uh, mm. John, he, what John, you and I both are, uh, have a lot of Italian in us. <laughs> okay. Uh, so. get a Italian teacher who did some part-time work for a mortician. <laughs> I think there might have been more to that story, but uh, there, there's a lot more to his story that in uh, the late '80s would not really have allowed him to probably be a be a teacher. Today <laughs> wouldn't be a problem, but late '80s it would have been a little controversial. But it for some reason it was him that it kind of clicked. Even though I'll be honest, I failed this class. It kind of clicked that that's what I wanted to do. He ran the newspaper, the, the school newspaper and things like that. But something about that experience. And I always enjoyed social studies and, th- and I think I may, that trickles down. And I just, I had to hone in on the history that I liked. And Jason alert, uh, alluded to it. Well, 10 minutes ago or something that cars tell a historical timeline and we will use it bookmarking, you know, a plethora of memories and, Anybody who knows me, when I'm telling a story that relates to time, I have two things that let me date. The car I was driving or the person I was dating. And I have not had as many girlfriends as people think I have had. I've had a hell of a lot more cars than uh, um, than, I have had, than I've had at girlfriends. And but when I tell a story, I think the listeners know very well we're what 200 and almost 220 episodes into this podcast. We've been talking to you with you guys for five years. I tell stories based on the car I was and they they have an impact on me. And there's very few cars that have come across my life that I don't remember. Um, So I, I do, you know, it's that thing that clicks in my head. And I mean, if I was a huge, huge computer geek. Uh, I'm thinking I, I know computer geeks that they do it with, oh, this is the computer I had. This is the language I was writing. Uh, some people do it with music. I can kind of do it with music, um, but name that tune. I don't know if I would win, but I can usually get within, I would say, one year of a song. I'll either be high or low, but I'll be or I'll na- nail the year. I'll either get it or I'll be one year low, one year high. Uh but those those are the the uh, markers. But and I think that's that's another thing that drives me about this uh, hobby is because so many of my memories are tied to it. I don't want to forget anything about it. I want to tell these stories. It's you know why I do the podcast is we might sit here and you know drone on for sixty minutes a week, uh, but. I don't think there's an episode that we've really put out that it would completely waste your 60 minutes. We try to give you a little bit of value for your, you know, for your time. You're paying us 60 minutes and we need to provide you some value in there. If you just wanted to hear us, you know, talk, we could sit here and read the Wall Street Journal to you. And I heard somebody suggest a podcast about reading the um, terms and conditions that you always just check you know, you never read your Apple terms and conditions. You just check them or you never read. And it'll be a podcast about doing that. And I think it was followed up with it. There, there was a podcast that did that. God. It's I, genius, though. It's and I was genius. hearing hearing a discussion about a podcast today that's designed to help people fall asleep. 
ironically, it's not the same podcast. <laughs> of course, you get, you get we sit here and we talk about our cars and get you all excited. A guy reading terms and conditions. Could you see some attorneys out there? They would just be jonesing for that to come out every week. <laughs> all right, guys. On this episode, we're going to read uh, Family Circus number 367. Now, picture this. <laughs> I don't know if you could do that because you might get into a copy, copyright. Well, that's true. But um, it looks like Disney's going to finally lose their copyrights. I read that recently. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> so well, we're going to get really off topic here. We do this sometimes. <laughs> but I, I saw that as well. But it, it's actually applicable in some cases because, you know, if, if you don't pay attention and either let your copyright drop or trademark drop, somebody's going to grab it up. It's happened in the automotive industry many, many times. Uh, but the, uh, the, I, I just recently learned that the rights, the copyright trademarks to Winnie the Pooh of all things, uh, have come to an end and there are already multiple, uh, people, working on new versions of Winnie the Pooh because it is in the public, uh, what is that called? Public domain now. Yep. And evidently there is a horror movie coming out and the characters are Winnie the Pooh characters. Uh, it should be an interesting. Yeah. Apple just this week in the EU lost um, a trademark for Think Differently. Or think different, which is a term. Oh yeah, think different. Yep, for for de decades. But the EU found that they have not actively used it for over a dozen years in any sort of marketing. And in the last um, um, Apple conference, they didn't even mention it once. So they they determined that it was that that went away. But Disney's been a big one over the years. That technically their stuff should have shifted to public domain in the sixties. But they've been able to renew and renew and renew. And it really was a point of concern because they were actually just basically saying, hey, we want it that anything after 1934 can never go into the public domain. Uh, looks like uh, I don't the current administration or something is going to let um, Mickey Mouse slip into the public domain. And wow. Um, could be interesting to see Mickey and Winnie and Bugs and Daffy and this guy, you know, Hanna Barbera. So uh, Tom and Jerry, maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> interesting. Well, I'll go back to. Uh, we'll bring this back on track here for the next fifteen twenty minutes, hopefully. But talking about what drives, you know, what drives us, what drives me specifically. One of the things I really enjoy in the collections world in being in a museum. And I was, I've been able to get back to a lot more of it now that I'm at the Lane Motor Museum. And I know everybody know, most listeners know that I've, I've switched over to being curator of collections at the Lane. And, you know, we'll get a lot of, and, and of course, if anybody, Jeff's been on the podcast, we've talked about the Lane Motor Museum, very eclectic collection, very diverse uh, as the, the tagline is, unique cars from A to Z. We have some very, very strangles in the collection. It's fantastic. Some of them we don't know a lot about and the world doesn't know a lot about. So it's our job to research them, hunt information down. And we got an interesting email that was you know put into my email box uh, through our website. And a gentleman in Greece, I, I believe he's in Greece, 
uh, was doing, he's a, he does automotive research. He's an automotive historian over there. And he came across a registration for a Hoffman in Greece in 1904. And the only thing that came to mind for him was the 1951 Hoffman prototype that we have in the collection, a one-off that a gentleman built, a goofy car. Uh, it's actually very interesting. Just look it up. You'll find some interesting videos about it. And uh, it is an extremely dangerous car. It is not well thought out in its uh, build and its engineering. It looks kind of cool, but it uh, it's tr- track is actually longer than its wheelbase. So you can imagine, and it's a three-wheeled vehicle. So hopefully you can imagine how stable that is. It's not. Um, But so he emailed, said, you know, is there a chance that this is the car you have? And, you know, here's the serial number that was registered and and back and forth. And I was able to do some digging because as far as we know, the Hoffman we have, it was built in Germany, ran around in Germany for a while, eventually made its way to the U.S. That is, there was no no mention of the car ever being in Greece. There it is. Um, I think some people consider it the uh, world's worst automobile. Maybe I I don't remember the exact tagline, but not, not a terribly well thought out or safe car, but interesting in its own right. And so I was doing some digging, uh, trying to figure it. Now I know there was a Hoffman early Hoffman's built in Cleveland, but that's in the early 1900s. Um, you know, there was a Hoffman X eight experimental car built in the U S you know, there, the Hoffman name has been around, but doing some research, doing some digging, I finally came across in 1954 and 1955, uh, the Hoffman, um, the Hoffman cabine 250 CC. Uh, it was a German built car by a a company Hoffman, and it was an ex a ripoff, let's call it, of the BMW ESO Isetta. And so much so that BMW and ESO both sued Hoffman. They were only able to build about 100 cars, and it turned out that it is very likely that it is one of those Hoffman from 1954 that were registered in Greece. So one obviously was exported from Germany to Greece and registered there and running around. Now, the the long and short of that story, I never knew the Hoffman Cabine 250cc existed. I never knew that company built cars. There were only about 100 of them built. So again, it goes back to that passion of learning something new. And now I know that there is a car out there called the Hoffman built in Germany. That was a ripoff of the Isettas. And it's got a cool history. Maybe we'll find one and maybe it'll join the Lane Motor Museum. There is the 51 Hoffman that's supposedly that's at the Lane Museum. I don't know if Not that's supposedly a, it is at the museum. That's actually well, I was saying supposedly because I didn't have proof. But then I go, wait a second. I got this. Off, be honest. I got this off the Lane site. The previous one I put up, I was actually at the Wiener Microcar Museum. I don't know. If yes. It's the same one. But yes, it is. Uh, we we acquired it from from the sale bruce had yep. I, ironically i was having a con- who was i have was i i'm not sure. just recently no, i was having was- a conversation with a guy that and i'm trying to remember where it was at but he um huge into micro cars love the one never got to see the wiener collection 
but the company, his publishing company is the one that printed the uh, catalog for Bruce Bruce's um, auction, which if anybody knows the catalog, it's a micro auction catalog. I've got a copy of it somewhere. Um, it's maybe three by three by three. It's almost three inches thick and but it's a micro catalog. It was something cool, but I can't remember because him and I talked a lot about some micro cars, but I can't remember. We talked about the lane too, but where I don't remember where I was. What car were you driving? I'm trying to put the day. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to help. No, you, I, you know. I know what, um, it, it was, um, Saturday on the mini drive. I think I was talking to a gentleman out of California who's relocated back to Alabama. And we, we were discussing some, some of the, he's had some, interesting cars over over time too but he's a little bit into i think he said his lottery car which i've never heard anybody tell me this would be their lottery car um i can't remember what one of them was but the other one was a messersmith oh nice and i i can you know interesting car to throw out is you know you've got all the money in the world um or at least a tank so, of gas <laughs> john's seeing you're good at sharing your screen Go ahead and uh, pull up nineteen the nineteen fifty four Hoffman spelled the same H O F F M A N Cabine K A B I N E. Uh, Jason, a lottery car is the car you would buy if you win the lot. At least that's what it is to me. I have a lot of lottery cars. Depends on how big the, the pot is that you'd win with three two, I guess. So right now, I think Mega Millions is at like two hundred seventy million. So yeah, and I didn't buy my I pretty much. I was- I was checked off all my cars yesterday and earlier today. Don't worry, John, you wouldn't want to. can't win if you don't play. That's true. Did you find a picture of our German Hoffman or well, German Hoffman? I found a picture of a 1954 Hoffman cabine, 250 CC. There you go. It is a direct ripoff of the Isetta. But that's uh, again, there's you know, more interesting. Yep. That is the car. And if I can make that picture bigger. You know, as, as Jason mentioned earlier, it's, you know, any any historic artifact has a story. It There's something we can learn from. There's information there more than just the machine it is, the appliance it is, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, in this case, you're looking at essentially a, a copyright issue or, you know, yeah, essentially it'd be a copyright because it's not a name that the design was ripped off and ESO who, of course, created the Isetta and then sold the rights to produce it to BMW, who made the Isetta. So there are ESO Isettas and BMW Isettas out there. Uh, you know, they both had the right to sue uh, the this Hoffman company, and they did to protect their interest in building the you know Isetta microcar. So, so much more to these artifacts than just it's a car or, you know, anything like that. There's, there's greater implications around these artifacts and what they mean to history. So I think that's another great driving factor is learning all of that and understanding it in the greater realm of the industry. That could be an interesting uh, show because I can't remember what car just recently got actually china lost and they're not they're not going to be able to produce it but they uh knock off chinese cars what uh, where did it ever I, I i believe gm went after them for the corvette um and i'm not sure where that landed um you know rain uh land rovers went over them recently because they did an evoke uh they've got a kind of a knockoff mini 
they've got a knockoff Cayenne. They've got a knockoff uh, Jaguar went after him. And I think Jaguar might be the one that just beat him. Um, so are you are you saying that they have to knock off building knockoffs? Uh, yeah, I think we can go. And then, you know, there's a big long list. There's been con- talks over the last four or five years that that might come to an end. But I can't um, um, I can't see that. I don't think China's going to listen to anybody. No. Was Jason's question about how did Mr. Lane come across such an unusual vehicle? Is that, excuse me, what we answered with the Bruce Wiener microcar auction question? I, I mean, I would hope so. I mean, it's it's kind of cool uh, how these cars show up and how Jeff or the staff wind up finding the cars. The Lane, Jeff, Jeff himself and also the Lane Motor Museum are very well known around the world actually, just because of the type of collection it is, heavily European, uh, heavily very unique and odd uh, cars. Now, Granted, um, we have... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, you can. I was going to do the plug for... Uh, we had the crazy cars of uh, Jeff Lane uh, Motor Museum on episode 135. So if, I'm not sure if you were a listener back then, Jason, but go to the website, look up episode 135, and... We get talking to Jeff about a few of his cars. Uh, I don't know if I can pull up. I got a cute little video of him running, um, and I can't remember what car it is, but Derek, you probably can answer it. It's the red car. It's three-wheel. It's got the uh, gyroscope in it and that. It's actually two-wheel. Two-wheel? Okay. The Gyro X. Yes. And he he was running. Then that's the nice thing about the Lane Museum. Jeff will be there, and you can chat with him and things, and he demonstrates the stuff just at a drop of a pin. You know, uh, you know, when he says the stuff in his museum runs, the stuff in his museum runs. And if it doesn't, I have a feeling he's going to be honest with you. That, no, no, we we're working on. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and you know, we do, we do tell most people, you know, we've got about 550 cars in the collection and, uh, yeah, we, we probably can say a good three quarter of those cars run and drive. And, you know, the others are, some of them are in need of restoration because they're oddball cars that people just stuck behind the barn or something like that. And, you know, Jeff's goal is to save them. And at least they're now in storage in the museum being preserved as best they can until we can get to restore. It. And, you know, that's, but you know, we're known Honestly, it's it, Jeff and, and the museum are known around the world, and we get emails. We will just literally get emails sent to the museum account, and it just recently happened that there's, you know, we got an email about an oddball car in uh, Europe, and, you know, it the person thought, yeah, it's just oddball enough. It's a micro car. It might fit your collection, and you know, fortunately, Jeff and I chatted about it and we both agreed that it would fit the collection. And we now have our contacts in Europe trying to track it down and, and acquire it for the museum. So, you know, it's it just they come from everywhere. And the better known you are, the better I want to say the better it is. Leno has all his stories of you know everybody calls him. You got to have the greatest thing. Uh, Jason alluded to um, Mr. Barber. It's the same thing with, uh, you know. The Barber Museum, any any Lotus that got mentioned for sale and just about any motorcycle that gets mentioned for sale somehow 
it has it has to be the perfect one for the museum blah 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 now whether or not it is the perfect uh oh ooh, jason's plugging a an event at your your uh employer there uh because i know he's even he's even impl- imploring people to become members i like it yeah, yeah. <laughs> become a member of the lane museum soon and you can visit the vault uh, narrated by Mr. Lane himself on July 13th. That is I was correct. supposed to be in Nashville July 23rd for a podcast thing. They've elected to cancel because of COVID. The last big podcast event, like half the people that attended left with COVID. So, Get it over. Uh, hmm, the 13th. What? It, that's a weekday, isn't it? Mm, pull up a calendar. I honestly cannot remember what day that is. July 13th is a Wednesday. Hmm. I could possibly do my na- Actually, I will be in Tennessee that week. <laughs> well, you have to become a member, John, and you have to RSVP. There are only 30 spots available. And it is probably like that other big fundraiser you guys do that if you don't hurry up and, you know, you don't get on this first time, you'll never get a chance. I'm talking about the car tour where you pay a couple hundred bucks and you drive one of Jeff's car. On a rally. The rally, the rally, rally for the lane. Yeah, I, I screwed up. I thought about doing it the first year and it took forever for it to sell out. And I thought about doing it the second year and it took a while for it to sell out. And by the third year, it, lots of luck. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll talk about that one later on. Yeah, well, we can talk about the rally once it once it actually happens, right? This year's this year's rally. So. Have we really talked about what drives us? I think we have. We might have actually stuck to a topic for a change. We got a little off topic in the middle. That's us. Jason would like to drive the Lark. Yeah, <laughs> the Lark really doesn't go anywhere anymore. It's massive. I'd like to drive the Dimaxi. I'm I'm actually looking forward to that. I think I'm going to be driving it Friday, maybe. We're getting it out this weekend for Father's Day event, uh, giving rides in it. Uh, actually, I'll be driving the... Helicron this Saturday morning, giving rides to some members uh, for the Father's Day celebrations that we do at the lane. So I'll be ripping around the parking lot in our propeller, one of our propeller driven cars, while Jeff is driving the roads of Nashville in the Damaxian. So I just then we're going to give then we're going to give kids micro car rides. I just have a thing for uh, Bucky Fuller and all of his stuff, you know, at White Post. Uh, the metal guy there made all the aluminum panels for the Dimaxian house. Thayton. Y- yes, they, good old Mr. Ogle there. Yeah. I haven't talked to him in decades now. Very talented sheet metal. Yes. And that's, again, the things that drive me is I I experience these odd things. You know, I didn't have a clue who, you know, Fuller was until, uh, not the Fuller t-shirt, but, you know, Buckminster Fuller was until... Fate introduced me to him 22, 21 years ago and learned about him and these freaking cool little houses he used to make. <laughs> and then, you know, learned about the car that, you know, Jeff had a replica built and it's just uh, one of those uh, fun things. Mm-hmm. I'll let Sorry. you know how it drives you, uh, John. Yeah. What was I thinking? You know, that's actually, maybe I can wrap us up here or at least add one more thought the history of the vehicles and and the passion to learn more about the history and you know like i say things that have happened around the automobile and how it's impacted the industry and and how the automobile has impacted our life as a uh, you know as a whole as 
society continues. But one of the other things that I am very that that really you know drives me, and I, I hate to make this sound like a pun, but I like the challenge, especially of the early cars pre World War. Uh, I'm going to go pre World War One because really after World War One and definitely into the you know teens and twenties, things are are fairly standardized. There's still some uniqueness to vehicles, but the vehicles built from really the time of the Benz Patton Motorwagen, so 1886, until about 19, let's say 1917, the beginning of you know, World War I era, they, most of them all have their own way to operate. And you have to understand what each lever does, what each pedal does, and none of them are the same from one car to the other. The location of the what you think is the brake pedal on one car, what you know is the brake pedal on one car, may not be the same pedal on another make of car from 1904. You know, it, it may be the you know planetary transmission clutch for low gear, uh, but unlike a Model T or or some of the other early planetary cars, the pedal wasn't always low down and middle neutral and all the way out high. Sometimes you only had a low gear pedal and high gear was a lever that after you let up on the low pedal, you'd pull the lever back and engage high gear. And there's a, a challenge to understanding how to drive early cars and know every piece of what, you know, a lot of people have called the ballet of driving an early automobile. You know, you have to understand each of those cars and their unique features to be able to operate it and drive it safely. And that is definitely one thing that I get, I am very passionate about and I love. I love early cars and I love that challenge of figuring them out and and being able to successfully drive them. That is uh, something that recently came up in a conversation for me. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, this museum in a couple of episodes, um, but it's, believe it or not, I, I remembered it as a tourist trap, but it's the, it's the um, auto, automobile collection at the Larray Caverns. Um, and Brandy and I were walking through it, and we kind of, you know, we went, you would go from horse-drawn to the newest thing, and there's a 1940 Lincoln, but that's an exception. It, it goes basically from this 1790s carriage to a uh, 1929 is when it ends. But she started to notice, you know, I pointed out tiller steering and then I pointed, you know, and she talked about the Model T and the, the pedals and, you know, all, it, was, it was a really good, it, it was a really good experience and that it, you had to pay attention to it, but she started to notice that, you know, how everything changed and when all of a sudden things started to become standardized and driving cars. But Derek and I'll talk about this museum in a couple of weeks. He wasn't aware of it. I've got a bunch of literature to pass on to him about it. And uh, so I was there about two and a half weeks ago. And the day I was there was the first day the curator on vacation and he was going away for three weeks. So I figured in about four weeks, I would reach out to him and get him to be a guest on the the, sh the podcast also, but fascinating, absolutely fascinating collection. And like I said, we'll talk about it here in a week or two. But you know, those freaking kidders, they just run off on vacations three weeks here, four weeks there. Pfft. Hey, there's no money in nonprofit, there really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Zara always used to tell me. And I would go to my nonprofit job at the Barber Museum <laughs> so, with 
man-made waterfalls and bridges. Yeah, <laughs> the, the barber's a little. That was actually one of the first things they taught us in uh, Museum Studies. Uh, museum Studies 101, I think the first five minutes were the professor walking in, setting his stuff down, looking at the class and going, all right, if anybody's here because they think they're going to make money, I'll give you about the next two minutes to head out the door and decide to do something else with your life. Says the guy. That'll eventually become a nice studio. And That's the hopes. <laughs> but let's just go ahead and call it quits there. I th- don't think we wasted your time. I think we provided you value. Uh, com. Check out the back episodes. Uh, like I said, what was it? Episode 135, I think. I, think it, I was thinking 135, yeah. 135, we had Jeff Lane on, uh, episode 48. I actually talk about uh, a visit I had to the lane, which honestly was the last time I was at the lane, so four years ago. Uh, but it, so really, you can check that out. Uh, again, go, nodrivinggloves.com forward slash stuff. If you uh, want to look for a Father's Day present, take advantage of Prime Day. Uh, if you go to nodrivinggloves.com at the top, there's a little on the... Um, menu at the top register as a guest you can click that fill out a form and we want to have everyday people on the the podcast as guests you don't have to be a celebrity you don't have to we want everyday people again this is a couple of guys sit around having a beer uh jack daniels some sort of having a drink and uh let's see he's having a beer too a and w which iconic in the car world mm-hmm. um but yeah, we'll, we just want to sit around and bullshit about cars with you. Shoot it, you know, again, shoot, fill out that form, shoot it to us, and we'll get you scheduled on the show. There's a bunch of other things. You can click the donate button or go to nodrivinggloves.com forward slash coffee, buy us a couple cups of coffee. Um, anything you need to plug or talk about, Derek? Or otherwise, I'm going to skate out of here for the evening. No, I'm good. Just glad to be back. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Uh, thank you for everybody who watched along with us. Uh, listeners, like I guess I'd be sure to check everything out. Podcast is for you. So if we are making you suffer, talking about too many visual references, let me know. And we'll fix that problem. Until next, next time. time. Same, whatever. Audio podcast comes out on Friday. We record them on Wednesday nights. Until then, later. See you.